guys, I'm Reese. And I'm Aubrey, and today we have the privilege of introducing today's encounter speaker, Mrs. Kraus. Many of you may know her already, but if you don't, she's a math teacher here at Southwest and is currently working on her master's degree with a focus on trauma and resilience. We are so lucky to have Mrs. Kraus as a D-group leader. It has been so much fun getting to know her since freshman year. Mrs. Kraus is one of the most genuine, loving, and kind-hearted people we know, and we're so thankful that she's our D-group leader. Please join us in giving a warm welcome to Mrs. Kraus. Please join me as I pray. Abba Father, we thank you so much for this time to gather and um, grow closer to you. I ask that you would be glorified and honored in the words that I have to say and that they would be your words and not mine. I ask that you would prepare the hearts and minds of these students to receive what you have for them. In your name we pray, amen. Um, not sure if we have a projector, we're working on it. So if slides come up, um, they will. If not, you'll just bear with me. When I was a kid, I had it made. I had the storybook family with a mom and a dad in love, an older brother to look up to and protect me. I had a neighborhood full of kids my age. I had cousins right down the road. Everything was great. We had wonderful traditions. <laughs> um, we had taco night on Sundays. We had pizza and movie night on Fridays. And almost every Saturday, we'd go on a family motorcycle trip. My brother would be on my mom's motorcycle, I'd be on my dad's, and we would just ride around the countryside for hours. On July 13th, 2002, my dad changed his mind. He told my brother and I that it was just gonna be him and my mom that day, and that we would stay home. We were so upset to not join him. What were we supposed to do if they were gone, having fun on the motorcycle ride, and were stuck at home? I didn't want to, but I gave them a hug and a kiss, and I said goodbye, and I love you. An hour later, my aunt called to ask if my dad was okay. This was really weird, because it was my mom's sister, and she never called to talk to my dad or ask about my dad. But I said, yeah, he's fine. They're out on their motorcycle ride. He'll be back later and can give you a call if you want. The next thing I know, I was at their house. My cousin Sarah was crying hysterically on the staircase, I didn't understand what was going on. I was so confused, it couldn't be real. It turns out that my dad's motorcycle had malfunctioned and flipped him off, and he was in critical condition and in the helicopter on the way to the hospital. After that, I only remember being in the dark waiting room at the hospital at 2 a.m. with my family around me praying for a miracle. My mom asked me if I wanted to go say goodbye to my dad. She warned me that he didn't look like himself and wasn't really there anymore. At 10 years old, I had to make this tough decision. I decided not to go see him and let my last memory be hugging him goodbye and telling him that I loved him. The next year was a complete fog. I didn't know how to do life with the escaping hole. I would wake up every day and remember my dad was gone. I felt guilty every time that I left I felt guilty every time I forgot to grieve and would get distracted by life. I would find myself waiting for him to come home from work, and he never came home. If I had to set the table, I didn't know how to set it for three instead of four. I'd learn something cool at school and be so excited to tell my dad and remember that I couldn't. And then we'd have the cemetery. What do you do at the cemetery? 
Do you bring flowers? Do you talk to the grave? Do you write a letter? Does he even know that you're there? How long do you stay? If you don't stay long enough, is that okay? Will he be mad? Everyone else was moving on. Everyone else was okay. Everyone else had forgotten, and we were stuck. We were on pause while everyone else's life moved on around us. Why did God allow this to happen? My family stopped going to church. We didn't know how to go be somewhere where everyone was okay, and we were crumbling. In middle school, a friend invited me to go to youth group with her. I went, I enjoyed the music, I had fun with the games, but I had no interest in engaging in the lesson, engaging in the discussion, or seeking a God that would allow this to happen. A few years later, I was in high school. I decided to go to boarding school, so I was in a new town, a new place, a new church. I didn't want to find a church. I didn't want to find a youth group. I didn't want to get involved. I didn't want to seek God. But there, there was a prefect on my floor that invited me to go to Bible study every single week. Sometimes I would go because I didn't have a reason not to. But still, I did not want to seek God. I did not want to engage in the message that was taught. A few years later, I was in college. I was at St. Olaf, and I was in a new state, a new city, a new school. Again, I did not want to seek God. I did not want to seek a church. I didn't want to go to youth group. I didn't want to go to Bible study. But there, there was a girl that texted me every single Thursday asking me to go to Bible study. I didn't even know who she was. This was so weird. She would just text me every Thursday asking me to go, and I would make an excuse not to and go hang out with my boyfriend instead. As the year progressed, my life revolved around him and only him. We did everything together. We chose where we would live sophomore year so that we could be as close to each other as possible. We signed up for as many classes together as we could. We were always with each other. And shortly into sophomore year, he cheated on me. My life was crumbling. My life had centered on him, and now again, I was lost. That same girl invited me to come to Bible study every single Thursday again. Now I didn't have any excuse not to, so I finally went. That Thursday, the pastor spoke on forgiveness. He challenged us to think of who we needed to forgive and why that was preventing us from having a relationship with God. I realized in that moment that I was still mad at God. I finally wanted to pursue a relationship with him, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to release that anger. So I spent every day going to the chapel before bed and reading my Bible, journaling my prayers, and worshiping, asking God, how do I release this anger? How do I let go? How do I seek you? What does it look like to have a relationship with you? I could see that God had been pursuing me for years and inviting and having people invite me to Bible study, inviting me to church. And now that I was seeking him, I could see that I was slowly releasing that anger and feeling God's presence. He was waiting for me to come to him. Isaiah 30, 18 says, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. I'm going to read that again since we don't have the slides. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. In this time of seeking God and finally feeling his presence and releasing that anger, 
I was more fulfilled and at peace than I had ever been. God opened my eyes to ways that he had been faithful and brought good from this tragedy. I was supposed to be on that bike with my dad, but by the grace of God, my dad decided to go just the two of them. My family has grown since then, and I've gotten a stepdad that I love, a stepbrother and stepsister that I adore. I even got a grandpa out of it. I gained independence, which led to going to boarding school, going to St. Olaf, and going further from home than I ever imagined I would. Without that, I wouldn't be where I am, doing what I'm doing, with the people that I'm with, and I maybe would have never met God. I have a deeper appreciation of who God is as our Heavenly Father that will never leave us. And God has positioned me in the lives of friends and students that have also lost parents to walk alongside them. Two big examples of this are one of my friends in high school. She was my best friend since birth. We went to the same high school. We were from the same town. And we were home over Christmas break one time, and she got a phone call that her dad had had a heart attack. I was able to be with her and surround her with love as soon as she found out and then continue to be with her as we went back to school. When we're home together, we still go visit our dad's graves together. We'll pick up flowers, go visit our dad's graves so we don't have to do it alone. A few years ago, one of my really good friends and I lived in the same apartment building. She got a call that her dad had been in an accident back in Texas. She called me right away, and within seconds, I was able to be at her apartment door, holding her, praying with her, and being with her that day and throughout the next several years that we lived in the same apartment building. I continued a journey through grief with these friends, other friends, and students that have lost parents. God has shown me that he is faithful and can bring good from all things. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to read that again. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now know that this verse does not promise to erase or stop the bad. This verse does not promise that everything will be happy or easy. It does not promise the absence of pain and grief. And it does not promise that God will fix everything the way that we want it to be fixed. But it does remind us that God is good, God is sovereign, God is for us, God is faithful. I still grieve the loss of my dad and know that I always will. The anniversary of his death is still hard 21 years later. I try to find balance of remembering him and distracting myself on that day. I still have mixed feelings every time I see a motorcycle. It was really tough to plan a wedding. So many traditions in a wedding center around the father of a bride. I had to think, who will walk me down the aisle? Who will give, me a, to who will give a toast? Who will do the father-daughter dance with me? There will be no first look with my dad. It is bittersweet becoming a mom. I know that Garrett will never meet his grandpa. I still have some habits that stem from losing my dad. An example of that is needing to say and hear I love you before leaving the house or hanging up the phone because you never know if you'll come back. Now this is a good habit to be in, but if I don't hear that, I'm a wreck. 
God continues to show me his faithfulness every day. I know that if God can be faithful, even through great loss like this, he'll be faithful through all things. I don't always know what it looks like in the moment, but I know that he'll be faithful. I continue to journal my prayers so that I can look back and see that in the tough moments, God has been faithful in ways I could have never imagined. Thank you. There will be teachers available to pray after if you want anyone to pray, and I'll be up front if you want to talk or pray. I'm going to pray for us now as the worship team comes up. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are for us and that you have the victory. I pray for each and every one of these students that you would be with them, that they would know your presence and know your love as they go out from this place. In your name we pray. Amen.